0: Welcome to episode 85 of the RQ Podcast, where three working individuals talk about the games, movies, and shows they love to enjoy in their free time. I'm your host today, Alex, and joining me, as always, are my co-hosts for this end-of-the-year episode, Matt. What's going on? And Tiffany.
1: I'm a fake gamer this year.
0: No, there's no such thing as fake gamers. Okay. You played a game, you gamed this year. That's it. Okay. Yeah, one game qualifies you. I'll let the audience so, decide. Yeah, in that regard, following our last week's episode where we talked about our top six experiences of 2023, non-gaming asterisk, this week's episode is our top six gaming experiences. So in light of it being gaming, may this may or may not include things outside of video games. Maybe it's board games, maybe it's card games, you know, who knows what it is. But if it's a form of gaming I'd say it qualifies for this list. And just to preface this, you know, for us, for the three of us, and also for you listeners, it felt like this year was a little bit more tight of a year to get gaming in. I don't know about y- y'all, but for me, definitely, I've game less this year than I have in previous years. It feels I've, that way.
1: Yeah, I've gained drastically less this year compared to previous years. It's like sad for me.
0: Well, I hope the games then that's in your top six were worthwhile then, right? With with the gaming time you've had, you've had a good time with those games. So with that... You know who wants to start first? We we posited this last time, and I was very emphatic about starting first with my number six. But I'll I'll step back this time. Which one of you two want to start first? Do
1: we not want to talk about honorable game? mentions?
0: Oh yeah, you're right. I mean, I completely messed this up. Yeah, you, you did, know, listeners. We had like a
2: pregame powwow and
0: oh, yeah. everything. I'm, and I'm just like, a foolish host a minute. here. Yeah, for real. <laughs> but Rather than getting to our number six game first, we'll, we're we're gonna be talking about our shout outs. You know, these are the games that we played that didn't quite make it to the top six. You know, things we might have enjoyed but couldn't breach the prestigious top six, as they call it. And so I'm I'm gonna start out because I have I have one from Matt's list last year that Ooh, I'm gonna shout uh. out didn't make my top six this year, but it was one of the first games I played this year, and that is Tiny Kin. Oh, nice. So the first game I played this year, you know, right when the New Year's ticked over is the first game I platinum this year. And, you know, living up to Matt's hype about it from 2022, it definitely hit the spot. This was like a great, you know, Pikmin-like, definitely very lighthearted and just a simple platinum. You know, it's like I think it took me like seven hours total to get it all done. So it was definitely easy breezy. There's some collectibles, you know, I had to look up to get some help. But overall, it was a fun time.
1: Yeah, that was a great game. game.
2: I um, played a game that was a little bit longer than seven hours. I played for about 120 hours, which was Persona 5 Royal. I finally went back because it was a goal of mine this year to finish that game. And Alex, you joked about it last week. I don't know if it was on the podcast or like right after we recorded that Matt's going to play this big, long game and it's not going to make his top six. And you're right.
1: <laughs> um, but
2: I, I loved it. Like it's still in my top 10 of the year. And it was such a good experience that I definitely want to check out some of the other Persona 5,
1: uh, spinoffs
2: that are coming out. Yeah. Yeah. And then honestly, it makes me want to live in the hype, like in the zeitgeist, when a new Persona game comes out, like whenever we get that next Persona, I'm like, man, this would probably hit so differently. Like, you know how you, you have the network and you can kind of see like where people go each day. Like I, I would love to play that live. so um, I'm looking forward to it, but Persona 5 Royal, fantastic game. Would recommend. Just didn't
0: meet my top six. Yeah, you took your time with it. All 120 hours.
1: Maybe I'll try that next year. I don't know. Um, I have two games that didn't make my top six, even though I barely played anything this year. Uh, Mario Wonder and Tears of the Kingdom. They are fun games, but They didn't really scratch a big itch for me. I -hmm. did spend, you know, like over 40 hours in Tears of the Kingdom, but I started getting frustrated because I'm not really much of a builder, you know, never really into Minecraft. Sims only got me so far. Um, I respect the game for what it is, and there were scary parts in the depths, so I never went there. I was too afraid to go in there, so this did not make my list. And Mario Wonder is pretty fun. I just didn't really get into the meat of it. I think I do want to finish it, though. I mm, feel I feel yeah. like, and also, I feel like that's a really great plane game for me. Um, oh, yeah. I played Mario Odyssey on, like, a plane ride, like, last year, and loved it. Uh, it took me so long to play Mario Odyssey, but I, I beat it. And so I do have a, f- a flight in February that I'm honestly probably going to play Mario Wonder. Um, I'm going to save it for that flight to finish it off.
2: Yeah, I think that's going to be a great, great plane plane ride. I will say Tears of the Kingdom also didn't make my list. I probably played like 40, 50 hours of it. Like, Tiffany, we're just the same person. You know, you like these open world games, it takes a lot. It takes a lot. Like, I actually beat Breath of the Wild for the first time this this year. year. Yeah. And so I actually added it to my list. Like this year, I counted that for this year. So like maybe 2024 Tears of the Kingdom will be on my list next year. Mm-hmm. Um, Breath of the Wild didn't make my top six too. But I'm just saying like I, I, it just, there's so much to do. It was kind of overwhelming. I love the creativity of it all, but it just, I don't know. I, I wasn't as hot about it for a long, long time. Um,
1: I do so. have to say that there were aspects of that game that I like freaking loved. Like I'm not going to lie. I loved helping that dude post his signs. Yeah. like trying to figure out how to po- too. trying to figure out how to post those signs i was like bro i got you i'm gonna help yeah. whenever i let you down i'm not gonna let you down again here i'm gonna help you put the sign up and i love that
2: first shit. couple times i was just like this guy's such an idiot like <laughs> it's literally the same puzzle every time yeah. and then i i like found myself lost in the middle of like a, a more advanced area yeah and he's like on a hill and there's like only a pole and the end of the pole is kind of pointy so as soon as he lets go it like falls off and i'm like all right you have a point but also why are you putting it on the top of this hill yeah in the middle of this lava area anyway um so cool like there's so much charm to it i just feel like i didn't give like people that it's their game of the year this year Mm -hmm. they're putting like 150 200 hours into it yeah and i just just wasn't in that vibe this year like persona 5 royal filled that like Big game gap that I had that Odin Ring had last year. Just I don't know. Maybe
0: next year.
1: Maybe next year.
0: Speaking of sequels, uh, another shot I have is it's a sequel to a game I didn't play the first one, but it is a sequel in and of itself, and that is Darkest Dungeon Two. So I played this on Steam. You know, it came out of early access this year. Went you know went full release, and. I heard the hype about the first one, right? This is a roguelite uh, dungeon crawler. So, you know, you're picking nodes on a map, you're mm-hmm. fighting battles, you know, handling encounters. Uh, it's a turn-based combat game where it's not necessarily grid, but you're, you're essentially lined up from front to back with four characters, and the moves are, like, basically target either, like, one of the four rows because your opponents are also lined front to back up to four people, And so it's this interesting turn-based kind of combat of going back and forth, where there's a lot of pushing and pulling. So you you want to make enemies get closer to you so you can use certain moves, but then certain moves only hit the back. So you want to push enemies kind of towards the back of the line to be able to hit them. And albeit I didn't have a lot of expectation going into it, despite knowing a lot about the or little about the first game, but it took me by surprise in that it was such an addictive roguelite that you know I was done with this game after like 50 hours and even though I enjoyed it and I did the full clear you know I did the the final boss and everything it just didn't hit the mark story-wise because it is something that's a little bit more like psychological kind of like horror-esque where you're kind of like it's the character or like you as the quote-unquote player like grappling with this kind of like interior monologue and there's a lot of intrigue with the like presentation about how they represent things, you know, and stuff like doubt or malice or, you know, these kind of like negative emotions, but it doesn't land beyond that because it doesn't really kind of give you a full story. If that makes sense, at least Mm -hmm. from how I interpreted the story, it's just kind of like, here's the experience of this character and here's their turmoil but then the ending is kind of just like, oh, yeah, here it is. So, you know, I don't know if they updated it since I played the 1.0 release. I played after maybe like a couple patches. But if they've done anything, you know, in the past kind of few months, I haven't seen it. But, you know, it's it was a fun game, fun roguelite. But it just, just quite hit that bar.
2: Sweet. I have one more shout out. And then I'm ready to start top six. Is All right. Cool I, I
0: also have one more shout out. Okay. Too, yeah.
2: Do you want to go? Go ahead. Because mine kind of oh, ties yeah. into my top six.
0: Okay, mine's really quick. As surprising, you know, we were before the recording. Matt and I were talking about. It feels like sometimes games at earlier in the year get left out. Or there's kind of you know there's might be recency bias with things that we've played more recent mm-hmm. to to the new year 2024. And so this is one of those games. I didn't leave it out because of the recency bias, but because it really felt like. I admired its attempt at what it tried to do, but it also just couldn't stick the landing, and that is Forspoken. Oh, I forgot that even came out this year. Yeah, right. The right in January, you know, it was literally huh. the first month, and it was the game that I actually played first over something like One Piece Odyssey, which also came out this year, and it surprised me in how the game. Kind of laid out its story and journey for the character. And it's one of those types of stories where you follow and play as the protagonist, but it's not necessarily a protagonist they write for you to like, which I think is what rubbed people the wrong way because it feels like a lot of people, you know, especially when you're playing a video game, typically you want to enjoy the character you're playing as, right? Because you are portraying that person, you know, through their journey. And so when a game like Forespoken comes along and the character ends up being this kind of like little bit hateful, spiteful, not necessarily completely likable character. It feels weird in that I think they did a decent job in writing her story, phrase story, but it, you know, because she's not likable, it kind of pushes back against you of wanting to play it. And I think for me, even though I didn't mind her character, I think it was the game overall where, it actually most suffer not from the story but from the kind of the open world bloat as Matt talked about with like tears of the kingdom like its world is actually massive and takes a long time to kind of do everything you need to do to get the platinum which i did get but at the same time because of that it makes you forget about a lot of the smaller moments that happen because you have to cover so much ground do so much things and even though you look cool doing it because a lot of the game is based around traversal magic using the different elements it Ends up kind of all blurring together. And so, with the combination of a lackluster story and kind of lack of key spectacular moments, it just becomes kind of this like one note type of game. But I would say if it's way on your backlog or if you find it for like $10, $20 out there, I'd say it's worth the pickup just to see what it's about.
2: That game has so much potential. Like, I was like so ready to play that game. And then, meh, like it just like,
1: yeah, <laughs>
2: it just like came and went. and... Everybody dunked on it, and I was like, "Well,
0: yeah, like a wet fart." Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah, yeah. So, my biggest shout out of this year, which is not even a game, it's an accessory, and it's the PlayStation Portal, the new way to remote play in my house. Like I have used it for like at least hundred hours, honestly. At this wow, hundred hours of gaming. Um, like uh, Alex and I were talking about me playing uh, Power Wash Simulator. I've clocked about 36 hours of Powerwatch Simulator on my PlayStation Portal. Like it is a perfect, like watching a game, watching a TV show, just having it. And it is perfect, just like for me and my lifestyle. Um, Huge investment, but like a really, really good one for my gaming. Honestly, I probably wouldn't have played like a quarter of this list if the PlayStation Portal did not happen this year. Um, One game that came out, you know, this year, that actually won a lot of game awards for best indie of the year cocoon i played i beat and i platted the past couple days and it just narrowly missed my top six number seven for the year wow great puzzle game takes less than five hours to plat it is very fun very magical um i just wanted a little bit more and honestly when i started to think about my best indie experience of the year it's going back to the recommendation I've given both of you, which is Dredge, my number six game of the year. This is a fishing simulator. It is kind of spooky. Um, it's got the, um, uh, what is that setting called? Where it's like Cthulhu, um
1: Arkham? Arkham Horror?
2: Um, is it Arkham Horror? Maybe, maybe that's what it is. Um, but basically, it's just um, kind of a little bit- Yes, Lovecraftian. Okay. That's what I'm going after. Um, it's kind of spooky and shrouded in mystery. And it has a really good story that I really enjoyed. And honestly, I the best part about a really good indie for me is some sort of gameplay that I really enjoy playing over and over and over again. And it doesn't feel grindy. It doesn't feel like unnecessary. And it doesn't feel like I'm wasting my time. And I really enjoyed it. Like this was, this was my chill game. Earlier in the year, this was a game where I just like chilled. And once you get past some of like the scary parts of being at night and being scared, um, it is just an awesome game. Awesome game. Number six. Couldn't recommend it enough. I think it's on sale a lot of places. And I think, um, I don't know if, I think Alex, maybe you dabbled in it. But uh, my number six for the year.
0: Yeah, back when you uh, mentioned earlier this year how you were popping off on it, I did actually pick it up when it went on sale during the Black Friday sale. And I took it, you know, pardon the pun or don't pardon it. Cause it's very intentional. I took a dip into it e- and I, uh, rolled credits on it. Uh, oh, I didn't get the nice. platinum yet. Okay. That's still to be done. But, uh, in getting the, uh, getting to the credits and doing both endings, wink, wink, uh, oh. that it definitely is more interesting than I thought it would be, especially because the, uh, fishing mechanic itself is like, Rather simplistic, but also not so simplistic that it gets boring Mm -hmm. um, because it's more so kind of like a timing rhythm based game where it's like, oh, yeah, you're essentially they're all forms of timing in order to like right when you're pressing buttons into fish, but the way they visualize it is different based on like what type of your fishing you're doing and so it kind of mixes it up very slightly um and the uh the way the timing kind of appears on the screen varies per region so they definitely try to make it a little less monotonous even though it's the same just hitting a button you know x number of times before you successfully catch something um and so yeah definitely it fits that bill you know i really enjoyed it because I played it um, with the accessibility option turned on for disabling the aggressive fish, uh, mostly because there was a moment where one of the fish destroyed my boat motor, and when that happens, it is absolutely (laughs) crippling because you go back to your home base to repair at, like, one foot per second, and it takes you like 10 minutes depending upon where you get damaged, oh. and it absolutely destroyed me. And so, I was like, you know what, I'll just put on the passive fish and not worry about it. Because, albeit, I don't think it took anything away from my experience, but it at least took away some of the more negative points that I would definitely have not even rolled credits if I had to deal with it the whole time because of just how uh, you know needlessly annoying it felt like those mechanics were. But I could see how much more it would impact your kind of like tense situation about like, oh man, can it get back to the dock in time? You know, the X thing is chasing me. I got to get away type of thing. All right, for my number six, and this might come to a surprise to both of you, but because it was high on my most anticipated for 2023, and that is Spider-Man 2. Wow! Wow. That is... So much lower than I
2: expected it to be. I I honestly, Alex, I was trying to guess where you would be and like what would be your top game of the year. Honestly, this was a game I thought
0: might be up there. And I thought so too, with it being my most anticipated. And I'll say this, you know, I think any game that makes me tear up while playing is an auto include onto the top six. And this is one of those games, you know, just like with Spider-Man one. And we won't get into spoilers about it, but the ending with Spider-Man One just pulled at my heartstrings, and there's a moment in Spider-Man Two that does the very same thing, and I couldn't help help but tear up. And so the reasons that my number six slot, though, and maybe this is just the sequelitis type of syndrome or what have you, but it is a great game. I love the story. I love the character development. They made a lot of smart choices, kind of pacing it out, because never did I feel like the game was stretching on right even though it was, you know roughly the 20 to 25 hour experience like this is a game that like keeps you moving and grooving mm-hmm. all the way until you know you web sling into those credits and the reason it falls down to the number six is i think is because despite it continuing to hit all those high notes like spider-man one did it felt Uh, very similar to spider-man one right a lot of the mechanics are similar even the way the uh spider-man handles similar right coming off of miles morales in 2020 right miles handles very similarly in spider-man 2 and with the addition of some things like the web wings right to speed up traversal and just kind of like changes in the uh puzzles especially that they don't make you do the same puzzle a lot, but give you a bunch of different puzzles to do a, a few times each made it a little bit better. I think just just the kind of repetition and feeling like we're training the same ground, which in a way we were because it is, you know, half the map was the same as Spider-Man 1 map. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was more of a good thing, but that's why it only kind of reaches the number six spot for me at this point. Yeah, never... amazing Oh, go ahead, Tiffany.
1: Well, I was just going to say I never got a chance to play it this year, and I really want to. This is going to be... I would like to say that it's an early early in the year game for me next year, but honestly, looking at what's coming out next year, early in the year, I don't think that's going to be case. This might turn into like a spring game for me, mm-hmm. um, but I am looking forward to it. But I, it's interesting. Like, I'm very interested to know Alex's list now that i know that spider-man 2 is only number six
2: yeah like I, i think it's an amazing game i think that you know maybe when it dlc hits tiffany like that'll be i'm assuming we might get some dlc next year so like maybe that's a good time to jump in but like i think all your points are pretty valid alex like i i've been talking uh to yasser friend of the show about this because he's actually playing through it right now and he was asking for my kind of review of it in the moment and I'd kind of talked it. it it almost felt like it was harder to get engrossed into New York because you did get to take some pictures around but like even taking pictures of different monuments like in the first game like that to me was like highlighting New York as a setting and I just felt like it was more like Oh, you're supposed to already know this place and like be this place. Um and that was a little bit jarring to me, but still an amazing game. Like one of my favorite games of the year. Um but yeah, all all your points are completely valid. I'm I I am just shocked. I I hope listeners can hear the shock in my voice that this is so <laughs> low on your list.
0: I mean, I hope you guys can't predict my other 5 then. No, yeah. I have no
2: idea now. Seriously.
0: <laughs>
1: um so when matt was talking earlier about games that have a repetitive like a comfort repetitiveness to it but like not not boring um that actually kind of reminds me of my number six which is actually potion craft so Mm. i started it in the last week and i really enjoy it so far i got it on on um the nintendo switch i've been waiting for it to come out there for a while i played about maybe three hours of it so far and i do have to say that i was kind of stuck in level one for a little bit because i didn't really understand how to progress um one part of the gameplay which was like selecting a talent or or, like using my talent points to give myself boosts and stuff um that like I felt like the game didn't really tell me to do that. However, it did have an icon that was kind of pulsating at me. And I finally was like, what is this blinking icon? And I, you know, I went in there and did my thing. But I like the motion of, like, throwing things together and trying to create a potion. And then selling it to the person who's like, I, you know, I found a bunch of cockroaches in my house. Do you have anything to help me, you know, take care of that? And originally, I tried to give him a fire potion to be like, kill it with the fire. Uh, and he was like, yeah. no, thank you. That is not what I'm looking for. I was like, oh, you're looking for poison. I'm so sorry. I, I didn't want you to burn down your home, but I thought that that could help. So there are little pieces to it that I enjoy. How
2: how like um, guardrails is this game? Like, is it very much like, oh, you have three ingredients. This guy comes up asking for poison and it's like oh, well, I only have like two different types of potions I can give him? Or is it like you have 50 ingredients and you're kind of like reading the ingredient? I've never played this game whatsoever. Yeah, and so, I actually, you're the only person that I know that has played this game. I've heard a podcast of people mentioning that they've played it, but they haven't really gone in depth into it. Like, is it like more of a puzzle game? Yes, in it's, a sense?
1: it's absolutely a puzzle game. The way the potion crafting actually works is that you have this giant piece of parchment. And mm-hmm. in the parchment, you have you always start in the middle. At least so far in level one and two, that's where I'm at. And there are like mystery question, like potions on different places in the parchment map. And mm-hmm. essentially, what you do is that each ingredient has a direction and um, path that your potion will go. So you know. You basically combine the ingredients and you mix it in a cauldron to make it move in a map path. So you're basically like making your little icon move in the direction you want it to go to make the potion in that location.
2: Ah, gotcha. And you get a
1: preview of what each ingredient, which pathway the ingredient will take you. Um, There's a mortar and pestle. If you grind up, the ingredient it takes you a little bit farther than it would normally if you just threw it in whole. it's it's very much a puzzle game and you can haggle okay. with the um customers like they'll they might pay you more if you're able to like finance you know like woo them essentially but the uh-huh. way that you do the haggling is honestly is a like not a rhythm game but you know when you have a um icon or arrow just moving back and forth and you have to Uh hit locations like on Mm -hmm. the line to like get boosts and stuff it's it's sort of like that very low-key very great swish game honestly like maybe good great portal game to be fair even though you can get it for free on game pass actually i'd probably say if you can get it for free on game pass you should just check it out there
2: yeah i can use backbone okay game pass yeah yeah yeah. yeah. sweet
1: Yeah, it's very low-key puzzle game. Um, I've enjoyed it so far. It's my number six, mainly because also I'm like, oh, I want to go back to playing that. Or like, oh, I have, mm-hmm. a, I have a few moments. I'm going to whip up a few potions for these people.
0: And I watched her play it, and the animations are very charming. I would say that. Yeah. Because <laughs> it has that printed scroll aesthetic. Like, everything's on this kind of like, you know, the scroll is like the texture to it and the like the drawings aren't like solid, right? They have that like weird texture, like white, like mixed in with the colors. And so it definitely has a unique aesthetic. So talking about a unique aesthetic, number five for me,
2: this was one of the earliest games that I played in 2023 and had my game of the year spot for half of the year. Like it, it held the game of the year mantle for the majority of this year. And that was hi-fi rush that Shadow oh. Dropped in January of this year. Uh, this is uh, Xbox exclusive. It is um, a rhythm action game, very much like Double May Cry, but very cartoonesque. It looks like a comic book, and it is just full of character and charm it's uh from tango gameworks so i'm um, not even something that they're used to really be doing this is kind of like a first in the genre for them so this really came out of nowhere had zero expectations for it um it was for me i'm not a rhythm action guy like i've never played a rhythm action game before i've always been scared out of my mind to play a rhythm action game if this wasn't on game pass and like shadow dropped and like bunch of people got into it and the zeitgeist began if that didn't happen i never would have picked this game up and i'm telling you what this game is like rhythm action for dummies it is so nice like it kind of like syncs up to it so when you miss hit against the beat it doesn't matter like it kind of like helps you get back onto the beat like everything in the background is is flaring to the beat And it kind of like makes you feel like this. I'm literally going to work and I'm like tapping, tapping on the beat. Like I have just the rhythm of a normal, like they, all the levels have the same rhythm to it. And so like, I know exactly like X, 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 like, no, I, I've got this down and it just like took over my life for a few weeks. It's one of those things where it started off as an eight out of 10. Like it, it was just a really great game. It was a great game. Yeah. Yeah. Once I beat it, then all these new levels became available, all these new powers, all these ways to increase your combos and increase your awareness to your your party members where you can like throw things to them and, and like just make it so much easier and more fluid. The game opened up and honestly, like I played an additional run. Like I played the game twice in a row. Wow. And it wasn't even to like get a platinum or anything. Like it wasn't trophy based or achievement based. Like it was just a fun, fun game. Um, it really took me by storm and something that I just did not expect. Like honestly, it's it's one of those things where my when I look at a game of the year, Contender, it's something where it's genre defining and something where the next time I see something in that genre, I'm gonna think about that game. And then honestly, like the next rhythm action game that comes around, especially if it's from Tango Gameworks, I'm going to be thinking maybe I should give it a try. Like High Fire Rush hits so well. Maybe I should give it a try. Um, they definitely have some licensed music. If, you, if you're if you okay with spoilers and okay with like, looking at the game, like if you're not interested in playing it at any time, um, there is a boss fight that happens in a bank. And it is probably one of my favorite mashups with licensed music in a game. In one of the best moments of the year. Like it is wow. a boss fight I have is it, thought about this January.
0: Is it toxic? It's not.
2: It's not. Oh, okay. It's a classic It's a classic piece of music that they okay. remixed into this boss and it is awesome. Like I I need to remember and I'll just send it to you guys afterwards, because honestly,
0: it's one of my favorite moments of the year. Top okay. five. Matt, easy. you reminded you reminded me that this game existed cuz I'll be honest I forgot about it since it you know is uh was on Xbox but I just looked it up it is also on Steam okay it All is right. available on Steam and so that is something that I will keep my eye on it is on sale right now but I'm going to keep my eye on it because I was interested but at the time uh right there's a lot of other things I was playing so I couldn't it didn't grab me and I just forgot about it, but definitely this is a great shout out. I do Mm want to ask though, did you go back and do the B sides update where they added like more remixed like versions of songs? I didn't. No, I didn't. I didn't go back.
1: So Alex, are you going to wish? There is more content. Are you going to wishlist it so that you know when it goes on sale again?
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, or I might pick it up now. I mean, who knows? Okay. Because I, I definitely love the aesthetic, and I mentioned, I think we did talk about the game uh, back when it came out, Matt's enjoyment of it, kind of in an earlier episode this year, and it obviously has a lot of inspiration and in comparison to No Straight Roads, right? Um, and that was a, a rhythm action game that came out a couple of years ago, and so seeing this kind of help popularize that genre gave me hope to say, hey, more people can... More people can enjoy rhythm-based games, even if they aren't necessarily rhythm-inclined, you know, such Mm -hmm. as myself. Because it's like, you know, we want you to enjoy the music, and we don't want to punish you for not necessarily having a sense of rhythm. And so here's this kind of in-between where we can make it accessible, and then on top of that, maybe layer extra difficulties for those people that are just insane you know, rhythm fanatics that are like, man, unless the song goes at 400 beats per minute, like I can't, you know, yeah. they don't even bother playing it because it's too slow for them or something.
1: Yeah. So when, Matt, you were saying that this game took over your life for a few weeks and it took your life by storm. I actually have a game that did that for me as well. And that is my number five is Disney Speedstorm. <laughs> that consumed my life for like a month and a half. And what happened was is Alex ended up buying it was it is not the beta phase, was it? Or like was that the,
0: the Or was that early access package? Yeah, early, it's like what you did for Dream Life. LA. Yeah.
1: So it was he bought the early access and he played it and then I played it. I basically played it on his account and I would make him go away so that I could play on his PlayStation, um and when I like when I was visiting, you know, I was visiting family. That's what I was doing. And then when I went left and went back, I would log on to his PlayStation account to play B- Disney Speedstorm. I was really I was obsessed for like a month. I would say like five to six weeks with that game. I would play and try to organize time when Alex wasn't on his account so that I could play it, or he'd be like. Hey, I, I left the regular races for you, but I did the other things. I'm like, okay, cool. And I, I played for, I played for a couple hours every day. It was a wild time for me.
0: It really never in my life. Would I think I would utter the words Mike Wazowski is OP.
1: Yeah. (laughs) And he was, it, it was honestly, Matt, it was so fun. Like, wait, Mm -hmm. is, is it free now? Or is it not free?
0: Yeah, it's it's gone free-to-play. So it's now live. You can play it. I will say it's it's hard to recommend now because I haven't played it in like five months. Yeah. So like since that time. Yeah. Um, and then there's also a lot of talks about it does fall into that like free-to-play grind trap a little bit. Hmm. Where if you're not kind of pumping in the premium currency, there is a little bit of a... Or not a little bit. I think a major grind for like leveling and experience Oof. and stuff. So... That if that pushes you away, don't worry about it. But if you do want to try it out, you know, it's free. It's basically on everything. It's on every platform. uh. So you can play it wherever you want. And there is some fun to be had, right? Because I think, especially because Nintendo doesn't want to release another kart racer, it's kind of like a nice, fresh injection into the kart racing genre yeah. with the Disney take. I think as of this recording, the most recent season has Frozen characters, so if you want to play as, you know, everyone's favorite Elsa or Olaf, you know, they're there. No no marshmallow slash snowball though, so that's kind of a rest in peace. But
1: they also remix a Disney so a few Disney songs or some of the tracks, and it's like yeah, fine. They go hard.
0: Remix music. They go
1: freaking hard on it. It's it's a good time. But I do yeah. I do wanna confess that I have not played it since the free to play. Um, you know, when the season the first season of early access was over. I kind of fell off it as well. Um, so kind of a little bit of caveats. but honestly, like when I was playing it, I was, I was freaking all in.
0: Hmm. Oh yeah. Th- that music goes hard. Definitely. And you know, it's funny how all or both of your games kind of relate to music. My g- number five very closely related to Matt's number five and by says via music Tiffany's number five and that is theater rhythm final bar line oh wow okay so this is the final fantasy rhythm game rhythm rpg you might say uh but it's mostly a rhythm game at its core so this is music from across the entire franchise you know we're going from final fantasy one and just recently a, co- a couple months ago they did it DLC Final Fantasy 16 music, they included it in You'll Find go. the Flame. It goes hard even when you're not playing as Clive. Just the same. But yeah, this game, you know, I love Final Fantasy as a franchise. I love especially Final Fantasy music. You know, Nubu Uamatsu, one of the greats. And the the every entry into the series Even if the game itself hasn't been great, you know, overall, the music never fails to hit, right? Even 15, you know, especially for me, 15 is a low point, but the music is fantastic. Same thing with 16. You know, not to say 16 is a low point, but the music continues to be great there. And the fact that they continue to add so many DLC songs, they have stuff from Nier, the Nier franchise. They have stuff from this Mana franchise series, right? Like Secret of Mana, Visions of Mana, Trial of Mana. And so they're just taking all these Square Enix IP and importing these songs into this game. I think right now the total catalog of songs is like 600 songs.
1: Dang. Wow.
0: So like they're just like pumping tracks and tracks into it and it's just a great time you know it has that light RPG aspect as you complete songs in every series you unlock characters from that series there is leveling there is skill setting and some of the challenges are pretty difficult where you actually have to like formulate a party. Right. Like you have like 100 plus characters across all the Final Fantasies and you got to pick the ones that are going to help you like complete these challenges on these songs. And it kind of adds that extra layer of like, yes, I can play the song and finish it, but I might not have had the party to do like the objective in the song. And so it kind of makes you think of like, well, I'm not just caring about the rhythm and hitting all the buttons, but I need to care about like what characters I'm bringing, right? Like what skills do they bring to, in order to like complete the objective? Like for example, one might be, you know, complete this uh, whole song without dealing physical damage. And so like, right. You like, you're picking, you know, magic damage dealing characters, or you're picking healing characters, right? Like you're picking these different characters that, you know, you might just want to pick your favorites, right? It's like, of course I'm picking RNA. Of course I'm picking Titus. You know, Cloud, Tifa, you know, they're always in the party, but sometimes you got to pick out, you know, the the weird one-offs or like the villains even, right? You're picking um, Chaos, you're picking X-Death, you're picking Seymour, and it's because of the skills they bring to the table that the other characters won't learn, right? Like the protagonist heroes don't learn certain abilities. And so it's this nice kind of mix-mash of giving you a little bit more depth to a rhythm game. As opposed to it just being music and so definitely it uh, hit the bar and plus in a way uh it was one of the first games i played after getting the DualSense edge controller so getting all the extra you know buttons on the back and stuff and i'll say it, it felt really good to be able to customize and like be able to use the whole controller because as a rhythm game it is more intuitive than you think in how it kind of asks you to for inputs and it lets you with the dual sense edge kind of customize your inputs. It makes it very satisfying to play when you're kind of like in the groove. Albeit, it didn't make me a better rhythm game player. I'm still bad at rhythm games, but at least I didn't feel as bad because it like felt good to like hit the notes when I did.
1: I played a couple levels with Alex um when he needed to get trophies and stuff and it seemed fun, but I did get confused with a a little bit of the button controls of like directional stuff, but Overall, like it was kind of adorable, and I liked hearing the music, so fun time.
2: My number four is actually a repeat of what we've already talked about, which is Marvel Spider-Man Two. Oh, Made it to number four. Okay, um, which this is high. You know, like I, I, I don't want to be too down on the game. You know, we talked a little bit about kind of maybe why it's not at the top of our list. But, like, let's talk about the things that did right. Like, the, this year is all about two protagonists in games. And I felt a little bit nervous how they would handle having Miles, having Peter, switching between them. One, like the seamless just switching to another person, no load screens, fast travel. If you choose to do that, like a madman when you could just, like, swing and glide your way across uh, Manhattan. Um, but it is Great. It is a great, great time. Uh, their interaction, the the story interacting between Miles and Peter and, you know, the story just in general of it being a Venom story. And we've seen this a hundred times in the movies or in TV shows. And, you know, is that boring? No. Like, they made it fun. They made it a little bit different. It got real. Like, there were some moments where I was like, I I texted Alex and I was like, I did not expect this <laughs> oh, to happen. Like okay. there is some more violence than maybe I would ever expect in, in one of these games. Like there is just um some realness to it. And I, I think that there is a story that they are building here and I'm excited to see where they go from here. Like I think Insomniac does a great job and I think they're one of those, you know, game developers that are like always a bridesmaid, never a bride. You know, yeah. like they everybody loves them and everyone loves their games um maybe not the best game of ever any year but like we gotta give them credit they are doing an awesome job so um tiffany this is like one of my highest recommendations for you honestly like for someone who loves marvel as much as you do i know you are going this, like this this had the potential of being your game of the year this year and honestly if you wait till next year it has your potential of being your game of the year next year too so like give it a whirl it is a great great time and hopefully they put some dlc out
1: I need it. I need to do it. I know. You know what else I need to do? Finish What's my that? number four game on oh. the list. So I. What a
2: segue. I
1: try not to like put games that I haven't finished, but this year's just kind of been a blur for me, right? So um, this is the second game, I guess, technically, that I'm.
0: Yeah, hey, who's keeping. Yeah, track?
1: okay. I won't talk about that part, but my number four game of the year is Hogwarts Legacy. I yeah, there it I, is. I loved my time with that game like a lot and yeah. just school happened and I had to like pause, write papers, all this stuff. But not stuff. school at
2: Hogwarts, I guess.
1: Yeah, not, oh, I know, I wanted to do my not lessons. Not potions
0: class. Not You have another game for that.
1: Yeah, I, exactly. Wow, you're <laughs> tying it all in.
0: She, she's getting a minor in potions. Yeah, yeah, so
1: I really need to go back and finish it. Both of you have finished... This game, Matt, did you get the platinum? Yeah, dang, Oh yeah. god, which insane, insane. Got the platinum. Required mm-hmm. playing the game freaking four times. That's crazy yeah. town. Um, or at least like getting to a certain point four times, right?
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I like that. That honestly may have soured it enough to make it out of my top six. Okay. Like that platinum grind, yeah. like it was kind of needless, but still fantastic game fantastic i games.
1: probably won't go after the platinum then if you're say- if you say that like i i could a, a game could totally be soured by that type of like grind for me so but i definitely want to go in and finish my playthrough honestly though if i do love it so much i might be intrigued to play through it again anyway like in a, in a different house um but i love my time in that game i played i think at least 20 some hours i think um, and and had a great time exploring, doing all the things. I was so immersed. I can't wait to see what other game they come out with next. To be completely honest, yeah,
0: I was really surprised at the quality of Hogwarts Legacy. Spoilers: It's not in my top six, but definitely that's one of those games where I think for a lot of people that might not have played games before, especially that might only be Harry Potter fans, and they were intrigued by the the premise, right? Of being their own student at Hogwarts, I think it hits all the marks that a good game should be, or at least to show to someone maybe new to gaming, like, oh yeah, this is what gaming can be, and it can be fun. And, you know, friend of the show, Ariel, like, she finished it. Yeah. Like, she played the whole thing on PlayStation 4 and rolled credits, and I was very impressed you know she's definitely not like what you call a gamer like she plays some games and i would say like maybe mobile games or like board games here and there but like definitely not video games and so the fact that she was able to get through and i think she said it took her 70 hours yes to get through the whole thing like that goes to show like how engrossing the game is to be able to like keep someone who's like traditionally not a gamer like in like involved the whole time yeah, the
2: I will say as someone who's a Harry Potter fan, there is something magical about that game. Like walking around yes. Hogwarts in a way where you have seen this, you have grown up on this, and you know these halls, but you you never really know how one hall connects to the next, or how this tower happens, or like yeah, you you know a little bit about the Astronomy Tower, but like you don't know exactly how it is. It's like, is this where Harry? like, hit a little bit, and I remember, um, Maddie was watching me, like, play some of this game, and I was literally showing her like, different places that were in the movie, in the game, and as a non-gamer, she was like, baffled. She was like, how is this possible? Like, this is this is crazy that video games can do that, and I, I feel like, as a licensed game, it's honestly one of the most effective licensed games I've, I can remember. Like, it is it was so effective. It was really great. I will say, having to replay it four times, there are unique quests for each of the houses, mm-hmm. depending on which one you did. Yeah. Um, and that that does help a little bit. Um, but man, that, that game didn't make my top six, but is something that I, I really, really enjoyed at the beginning of this year.
1: Can't wait to go back.
0: Yeah, gotta go back to Hogsmeade. Mm-hmm. Get some more. What was butter it? beer? Oh, I was gonna say nutter butter. <laughs> what? Oh my Maybe God. they have nutter butters there. You never know. Yeah. <laughs> they just have and like a vending machine the trademark. <laughs> yeah. Nutter butter beer. That's what they call it. That's right. All right, my number four, and you know, briefly mentioned already, Super Mario Wonder. Wow. Nice. Wow. Yeah. And, you know, typically whenever a Mario game comes out, I think from me, you can expect it to appear on my top six mm-hmm. at some point because Mario games don't miss, you know, for at least the mainline Mario games. I'm not talking about the spinoffs, you know, we're not talking about like Mario Strikers or Mario Golf or anything. We're talking about the mainline 2D, 3D Mario's. And so Mario's number four or Mario Wonders number four for me, you know, it is such a fun like whimsical 2D platformer. But for me, really kind of put it over the top is its advancement in the online space, because this is where something that I think Nintendo has been hesitant to really, you know, grasp and embrace, right. Kind of moving into the digital age and embracing the fact that right, people like to game together. Yes. And so a lot of the older 2D Mars, or even 3D Mars has, you know, encouraged local co-op play but in this increasingly kind of distant remote life we live now, right, you know, remote co-workers, remote families, remote friends, sometimes you can't get together to play the game. And so with Mario Wonder, they kind of made those incorporations into the design to say, hey, listen, we support local co-op, that's the intended way to play this right if you're playing with friends or family but here's this online mode too which isn't necessarily the exact same but I think it does enough and it innovates in some other ways that makes it very interesting and I'm mostly intrigued by when you're playing online in the online mode and you're not playing with friends you can see random other people in the, like playing this same level as you are at the same time. And it creates this kind of like fake competition, like with these yeah. randoms that like all you see is their name and the character they're playing. But you know, you can't talk to them. Like you can emote, like there's emotes and stuff and you can see them like moving as ghosts on the screen. But you can't like stop them, right? Like there's no direct interaction. And so it creates this fun, like race of like who can finish the level first type mm-hmm. of mentality. And I think that's like the little extra that playing Mario in 2023 needed of saying, Hey, it's the same idea, right? You're running from the left to the right, you know, you're jumping on the flagpole. It's the end, but here we're going to create this kind of like pseudo competitive layer. And in some cases, cooperative layer, right? Cause they have some puzzle levels that, Yes, there isn't really a race to the finish, but you can, I guess, help other players figure out certain things and they can help you figure out certain things. That's like, our adds a really fun layer to the experience because, you know, me having enjoyed the game Offline at first because I wasn't in a place where I could connect it online and then popping that online mode on was like a completely different experience, Mm -hmm. right? Like going from the single player to this like online kind of like asynchronous multiplayer world. So definitely... I think it's a step in the right direction for Nintendo. I'm hopeful a lot more, especially not just Mario, but their other games kind of include this more interesting online presence and incorporation to the design, because I feel like this is like Nintendo starting to dip their toes into it. And I think if they really embrace it and, you know, hopefully improve their overall just network online, switch online network or switch to online, whatever they want to call it, that that just makes the experience even better and just, you know, we have more good times ahead of us.
2: Yeah. Th- that game magical in a lot of different ways. Um, it just looks great. It plays great. Um, definitely something for Tiffany to play another one for her to kind of bookmark to finish off. Um, but yeah, the online was so interesting because they had like very minimal collectibles, like basically find these three coins, do these things. Some of them are pretty well hidden. Like there's one that took me a long, long time to find. Once I found it, I popped in online and just like played alongside some of the people. And I was just trying my best to get people to find this really well hidden one. Because there's one literally where there's just like a sliver of dirt on a wall to make you know that you can drill and go underneath it to find it. I know the exact level you're talking about. And it was so tricky. And I'm like, Mario mario look at me look at me i'm drill i'm a drill mario look mario look hey mario and i'm trying to emote i'm trying to get him he thinks i'm like playing with him and just like (laughs) saying hello it's probably like a five-year-old kid and he doesn't even care about this coin but i'm like i'm trying to help you mario mario come this way and it's just like madness but it's there's something about that that I, i think it's like a winning formula for them like if they can reiterate that in different areas and like Hey, this is a 2D space. This is probably the easiest way to implement this. But can you imagine Mario Odyssey 2 happening with, with something like this? Like, I don't know what that would look like if it just turns into, like, Dark Souls or Elden Ring summoning or something. But, like, there, there's something there. Oh, my God. There. I'm getting invaded by <laughs> Luigi. <laughs> um, I think it'll be great. Yeah. Uh, great game. Great, great game
1: seeing everyone just like roaming around on an open world mario game just interesting. Right. yeah i've played local co-op or like on the same switch and on two different switches and playing it on two different switches was pretty fun actually playing with my friend i didn't realize that we didn't really impact each other except for saving each other's lives which i really liked that was really cool
2: I will say my one gripe is like Yoshi. I wanted to play as Yoshi, but Yoshi was basically easy mode. Like, you could never die and you couldn't get any of the power ups. And I was like, but what if I want to play as Yoshi and not Toad or Mario and Luigi? Like, what?
0: Canon playthrough, Matt. You got to play every level as Mario first. I know. It's the canon.
2: I did play as Mario eventually, but. How it should be.
1: Can I actually talk about my number three? Yeah, sure. Because I'm really excited. Let it rip. I'm really excited you know, about now it.
0: now we, we've we gone through the bottom three. We're in the top three. This is the upper echelon. This is where the prestige comes into play. So these That's are right. prestigious games for each of us.
1: So, so let it rip. there was a little game that came out, a brand new game that came out this year, um, tabletop-wise, called Lorcana, that took my Ooh. life by storm. And a young man made a PC version, emu- like an emulation of Lorcana called Pixelborn. And this game is free. Um, I'm hoping that Disney never shuts this guy down. But basically, he made the this card game, collectible card game, accessible for the masses. Every card is in the game as we speak right now, all 408 cards with their abilities and with a client that plays like Hearthstone or legends of Runeterra or any other card game. Um, it has its own art. Like this guy went all out on this game and made it free to play. And um you can play PVP and I've been doing it and I've been testing out decks. I've been crafting I made Alex play. I played against him when we were long distance. Like, it's... R- and I won. Okay. He <laughs> did. But it it's a really fun time. And honestly, it's a really cool way to test out a deck and see if you actually want to kind of spend the capital on buying the cards in real life. You know? So That's like, kind of neat. Yeah. So I really like it as a playtesting area. And, like, I've even, like, crafted a deck there and then seen... The matchups I've had and I've seen the weaknesses that my deck has compared to another. I'm like, oh, maybe I need to swap in a different card in case I ever, you know, encounter a deck, you know, like this in real life. And so that is my number three game. Pixel Leave Born. it to you
2: to have Lorcana in both your top six non-gaming and top six gaming. Yes, exactly. You just got creative with it. Yeah. It, <laughs> I love it, though. It took
1: over my- I mean, I granted, Pixelborn-wise, I've probably only played, like, less than, like, eight hours of it. But, like, mm-hmm. it's- throughout the time, like, I've played it for a few hours, and, like, you know, a week or two later, I played for another few hours. I- it really scratched the itch of every time I wanted to play Lorcana.
2: It's pretty cool, though, like what you were talking about with this is kind of a way to try out new things because Lorcana requires money to find these cards if you're like wanting to like RNG it or just buy them straight up. Yeah. And like accessibility wise, which is like a new thing that I feel like we're being a little bit more mindful of in in games. Mm -hmm. Like this is it. Like you don't have to have a ton of money and you can like try out all these new decks before you just waste your time. Because like if I had to pay for stuff when I was playing Marvel snap, like one, I probably would not have played Marvel snap that much. Cause like I want to try it out without having to like pay actual money. So from that standpoint, that's awesome. Like honestly, if I hope Disney never shuts it down, I hope they never find it because I feel like if they do find it, they'll probably shut it down. Yeah. But, um, Honestly, right. it's one We're of those. hopeful no Disney execs listens to this. Yeah. Um I would hope though that they would think like maybe there's something here. Like maybe we should have like almost like a companion piece or like a companion app so that people can try out new builds. Like that would be that would be a good a good move on their part. And of course pay this guy out. And, yeah, like,
1: for you for know, real. I, I Don't w- just shut
2: him down and then cost money i wonder
1: it. in maybe in like five or six years you know there could be possibility that an official version comes out but for now i really appreciate this guy for making you know doing this he is a patreon um I've oh been- that's cool yeah i've been thinking about supporting him you can get some cool effects and stuff in the game but uh yeah it's a, it's it's a fun time i really like it
0: See, the the non-gaming entry was the collecting aspect, and this one's the playing, so that's how uh, she was able to get it on both lists. Yep. Makes
2: sense. All right. My number three. i I'm glad to to draw first blood of this game because we've kind of talked a little bit about it, and we all three played this game, and it's one of my favorite of the year. This is actually what dethroned Hi-Fi Rush halfway through the year, which was Final Fantasy 16. Um, it is a game that I just really loved. I loved, loved, loved my favorite story of the year for majority of the year. Uh, maybe that may have changed <laughs> recently as to what's my new favorite story of the year, but a, a story that is very Game of Thrones, very Final Fantasy, and just has the political drama and intrigue and doesn't take itself too seriously like it, it does in a way but in a way also drags you along has like perfect accessibility issues of like what would stop someone from enjoying this maybe they don't know what freaking empire this person lives in right let's have a character an npc that their only job is to tutor you into figuring out what empire we're talking about and like have that active lore system like one of my favorite new accessibility options that wasn't even an option it was just in the game and it made sense and it was great um combat was awesome really fun the powers were awesome the boss fights uh like chef's kiss like this is this game really had it all um one of the best experiences i've had all year um happily platted it i enjoyed every moment of it i'm excited to jump into the dlc I have not purchased it yet, but that is something that I'm hoping maybe when both DLCs release next year, like the the second one releases next year, I might just buy it at that point and just kind of binge through it, but I haven't deleted it off my console, and that's kind of like my biggest
1: compliment uh,
2: compliment to the game, which is like, I want to be ready for when I get an itch to play Final Fantasy 16.
1: God, such a great game and a great story. That game devoured I devoured it, but it also consumed Mm -hmm. me. Like such a great time. Torgle's best boy.
2: So good. So so good.
0: Oh yeah, Matt. It I have to agree, because this is also my number three game. Let's go. Right there with you. (laughs) And yeah, all for the same reasons. You know, as I mentioned before, if a game makes me tear up, it's probably on the list and this game did you know it has my favorite moment of uh 2023 in a video game in the and i hopefully you guys remember but it's um the accept the truth prompt Mm -hmm. uh when uh clive is kind of like fighting the like fake version of ifrit And there's this moment where he realizes, oh, he's been kind of chasing this pretend like version, kind of like this misplaced uh, hatred of something of some thinking someone else did something that he himself actually committed and kind of accepting the truth of saying, right, he has to take responsibility for the events of what happened and facing that head on right in that moment, you know, and that's also the same moment you unlock the limit break bar. Um, So definitely it is kind of like both gameplay wise and story wise, it's just such a seminal moment for Clive as a character. And then also just like the game as a whole, like doing such a great job, as Matt mentioned, like this is a deep world, a lot of political intrigue, right? You're dividing into empires, you're dividing into these um, stewardships, you know, duchies, what have you. And it kind of hits all those like high fantasy notes that I feel like a lot of people enjoy in stuff like Game of Thrones, stuff like The Witcher, right? Like you have these warring kingdoms and it is just, you know, eventually it kind of devolves into your typical, oh, you got to kill a god. Like this is a Final Fantasy. You're exactly. killing a god. Yeah. That's just how it is. But I would have it no other way for it to end besides it because otherwise it's not final fantasy if you're not killing a god by the end of it (laughs) um so yeah hits all those notes and yeah i'm i'm also waiting for the dlc as well but i i suspect especially the when the second one comes out because that's the more story focused one that it'll hit you know they did show it will have leviathan so we will get you know one of the more notable summons that was missing from the main game kind of reintroduced right as being Leviathan the Lost so i'm definitely excited for when that comes out you know that'll probably be similar to when the new final fantasy 14 dlc comes out and maybe i think at the same time there there will be some sort of crossover so you know we'll probably get something Final Fantasy 14 and 16 and Clive will probably show up as an armor set or something in 14. So definitely excited for the future and you know fingers crossed they're doing the DLC but that doesn't mean they won't do a 162 but I wouldn't mind if they did, you know. But if you want to know more about our thoughts, we did do a peer review on Final Fantasy 16 on this channel. Check it out in the peer review playlist. It's there.
1: Yep. I'm going to talk about my number 2
0: all right number two so
1: a year ago both of you said this game would be a tiffany game and i was uh-huh. resistant to it um but then christmas day 2022 i downloaded a little game called marvel snap And that is my number two. It happened. It's my number two game of the year. I have bought every single season pass. I have played this game for countless hours. I have gotten infinite at least three times, which, you know, makes my goal. Um, that I made earlier in the year to make at least 90. I, I made it to Infinite. And every month is a new battle to climb. And sometimes I'm successful and sometimes I'm not. I've bought skins of, you know, cards that I really enjoy based on aesthetic and cuteness and, you know, how much joy the card brings me. And it has literally been my year. I've, I've probably played you know this game i probably only missed like two weeks of play um so almost 50 weeks of playtime of this game for me and i i still play it and i still love it i don't know when i'm gonna stop playing it you know i do my dailies thank god daylight savings time is over because i can go back to my you know, six, two, and ten. That is the best mm-hmm. way to play. Not this seven, three, and eleven. That was horrible. Yeah. Like I'm like, oh my God, I have to stay up to eleven to fit and then I have to stay up for another half an hour to complete my dailies. Like, no, 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 no. But yeah, mm. this game this game is fantastic. I love it. You guys are right. Hundred percent right.
2: Yeah, I I I enjoyed Marvel Snap. And I gave that recommendation. I have I've broken the habit, um, which is, is good for me. You broke in my, free. In my life. Yeah. Uh, because I was putting in so many hours on this. Um, I basically replaced that with Persona 5 Royal. Yeah. And I never look back. And they, they keep sending me notifications. And I haven't deleted the app, but like I'm really close to it because I just feel like I can't go back, especially now that I have PlayStation go back, Portal. That. No. I've got Power Wash Simulator to play now. Oh my gosh,
1: you get free <laughs> stuff this week for the Winterverse.
2: I know. No, it doesn't, you know, I've, I've got my, my Power Washer and I'm just living life on PlayStation portal. It's great.
1: Okay. Which, by the way, I kind of looked up, like you talking about the portal made me want a portal and then I looked it up and it's sold out everywhere. Do we think they're yeah. going to like remake it to like sell or no because the holiday season is over so no one's gonna buy it
0: i don't
2: know i don't know i feel like I, it's know. I, a hot commodity. I think it's
0: no i think it will be the perennial release like they're gonna keep releasing it like it's gonna be you know i don't know how well the psvr2 is doing but they're still selling those things so they're, if they're still selling that they're definitely gonna continue to sell the portal okay yeah
2: honestly like anybody who's into remote play that picked it up um it's been like glowing reviews you should look at like the playstation portal subreddit like it is the most positive thing like people are just like i'm a dad and this is amazing like this is (laughs) this is the best thing ever or like i am a younger sibling and i never get a, a tv time and like this is like changed the game like so this honestly if remote play is any inkling of interest to any of you like go check it out because it's amazing. Well, I just Um, really
1: like lying down and playing games. You know? Yeah. That's just... It's been
2: great. Like, I've been sitting in bed like playing some games, like getting some good quality game time in. It's its great.
0: Man, who knows? At this rate, next year, 2024, Matt's going to platinum more games than me and that'll be the year because of the portal. It could be. I expect that's what's going to happen. Could be. (laughs) They still won't catch up to me in Total Platinum. That's true. That one I have to hold. I have to hold strong.
2: That is like a crazy amount of Platinum. not going to happen. All right. My number two. This is not a PlayStation game. This is my favorite Nintendo game of the year, which is Super Mario Brothers Wonder. This was the first 10 out of 10 game from me. From my personal rating scale, I rate mine on GG. And I rank them to help me keep track of like throughout the year. This is my first 10 out of 10 game. I thought for a long time might be my only 10 out of 10 game. Because for me, this just was amazing. Like,
1: wow,
2: you split up Mario fans into two categories, Mm -hmm. either 2D or 3D. For the majority of my life, I have been team 3D, like Super Mario Sunshine, Super Mario 64, super mario odyssey like those three super mario galaxy like those were the people that was it i loved world world super mario world was like the first game that i really remember playing as a kid so like i do love 2d but i've always kind of gravitated towards 3d and kind of seeing mario in that space but kind of like i was talking about with hi-fi rush like game of the year contenders are genre defining and This game definitely changed what I think about 2D. I've been used to this like new Super Mario Brothers 3D or 2D or whatever they've been calling them. Right. And they've just been kind of mediocre and not bringing anything new. And this really just was awesome. Every stage, you picking up a wonder seed and it absolutely changing the setting Changed like how you played. Sometimes you'd play as a Goomba. Like there is Whoa. just like they are changing how every stage is played. Yeah, and it it's just inventive and fun, and I loved it. And, and to that extent, like the music, the world, the the art, that gave it a nine out of ten. And really, what brought it to a ten out of ten was the classic two D trope, a really classic Mario trope of having secret worlds. And those secret worlds were things that made me almost have, like, carpal Tunnel. Like, I I was, <laughs> like, over my Switch and trying to ace these really difficult levels. Like, some of them were some of the hardest platforming levels that I've played since Sackboy Big Adventure. Like, the the night, uh, you know, like, whatever it was called. Oh, like, n- yeah. The Knitted Night. Knitted Night Trial. Yeah, like, yeah. that Knitted Night Trial was, like, my knuckles were bleeding from, like, me doing this platform. And... Some of them rivaled that and some of them were worse than that. Um, It is just like pinpoint precision. Um, I had to like play it on a screen to make sure I didn't drop any frames. Like I was in it to win it and I just loved it. I ate it all up. I 100% did everything. I got every collectible in the game. Wow. I beat every game. I got up to 99 uh, lives naturally. Like I just like. Destroyed that game as much as I could. I played every single thing. The only thing I didn't do was like the online mode because I looked up to see what you got from it, and it was like not worth it. But everything else, um, I just destroyed this game. Like this was a platforming game for the ages and really, really fun. This is something that I've recommended to a lot of my friends. Um, I recommended to my sister to pick up for my nephews. Um, like this is like a game that. I loved, like I really did, and it it for a year that Tears of the Kingdom came and went. This is something that this is why I have a Nintendo Switch. Like when Nintendo Switch Two happens next year, mm-hmm. I won't necessarily be picking it up for Tears of the Kingdom. I'll be picking it up for Mario. Like that is that's how it's always been for me. Like from when I picked up Odyssey before I picked up Breath of the Wild back in 2017. Like. This is what this machine is for. It is for Mario games and first-party games and it delivered. It really really delivered this year.
0: All right. My Speechless. number 2. <laughs> oh no, I mean I it was my number 4. We talked about it then and I agree with you. There's just so it is the quintessential fun. Like it's what Nintendo does the best, right? They make fun games. It's kind of undeniable. You know, sometimes their games don't run great. You know, but maybe that's just the sign of the hardware. So come on, Nintendo, bring that Super Switch. We're waiting for it. But all right, number two, as I mentioned before, once again, another game that made me tear up. This time, made me ball actually, because this franchise is so near and dear to my heart that seeing the story moments in this game just made me feel the culmination of everything, really, and that is. And maybe the game with the longest title on any of our lists, like a dragon, like a dragon, Gaiden, the man who erased his name. And so this is the kind of interlude story of Kiryu Kazuma that takes place in between Yakuza 6 and 7 and kind of fills in the gaps of where was Kiryu during this time. You know, he. Uh, right, if you know the ending of 6, you know, he kind of disappears, and then in 7, he somehow reappears again, and so this helps fill that gap of what he was doing to get to that point, and really, you know, Yakuza games typically aren't that long. They're typically about like 20-25 hour long games if you run through it, but you know, this is like a GTA style game, right? Like, they want you to do all the side quests. They want you to do all the gambling hall stuff, right? I've played now, like ten games of Yakuza, I still don't know how to play Mahjong.
1: You should learn. But
0: it's, but it's in every game anyway. Regardless, you know this isn't about the Mahjong. It's about the journey, right? Like we've, I've literally have played these games over the past man. It's been like seven years now, and having seen this journey of this character, right, and kind of passing the torch on to the kind of I guess designated next main character of the franchise has been such a joy because never more have I felt like I've watched or played an interactive drama more than this, right? Like I always recommend people like if you want to play this, go through from zero to now and treat it like a TV show. I mean, it's going to be that thing where it's like it's a lot more time investment to complete every game. But I'd say every game is like a season of a big TV drama. And I, I, I really recommend to say, you know, you'd benefit more kind of watching and experiencing the whole thing in chronological order and just taking it time by time right like if you get tired out take a break come back later you know it'll always be there and getting to this point and seeing kind of the resolution really of the first seven games right of zero through six and having Kiryu's story kind of come to a conclusion right and we're leading into the next era it brought tears to my eyes because there's one key moment that if you've played those first seven games, not to say you need all seven, but really games, I think it's four through six. It ties that knot so well, and it makes it made me feel so emotional that it was something I just had to put this highly because it... If anything, besides the fact that the game is shorter, it's about half the length of other Yakuza games. If anything, it made it a better experience because it was shorter, right? Mm -hmm. Like, we are Mm -hmm. getting the hard hitting story moment to moment. Like, I'm not like I played this straight through over a couple of nights. I wanted to get the story done because I just wanted to see it. You know, it's at this point, I feel like I'm a little bit more uh, lackadaisical with getting through games, but this is one of those that kept me like glued. I needed to finish, and it's been a while since I've had a game like that. Um, and so, binge definitely, watching, despite it all, exactly, is essentially the equivalent of binge watching uh, a, a show, or, or I guess there'd only be a show. Everyone binge watches a movie. <laughs> <theoretically>. Yeah, <laughs> two speed, um, let's go. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. so. I mean, I can't say, like, there's so much that I want to say, but a lot of it would be spoiler. But honestly, I think for the people out there that understand Like a Dragon slash Yakuza, you probably understand, like, how much it means to, like, the series as a whole, even though it is considered kind of, like, a side game. And, you know, I will say, shame on you, Sega, for not doing a physical release in the West. Oh,
1: my gosh. shame on
0: you for only releasing the copies in Asia, you know, I bought an Asian copy, but I would have preferred an English copy. So I hope in the future you continue to publish physically. But besides that, great. Continue publishing it. I love it. I am a little bit scared because they did say for the next Yakuza, which is coming out next month in January, that it is the longest Yakuza to date. And it seems like, the you know, we might be talking Persona 5 levels of commitment here. Oh, wow. wow. So, I am scared but also very excited cuz they have a brand new map. We're going to Hawaii, baby. Mm-hmm. And I'm excited to soak in those sun rays. You know, deliver burgers. There's a mini game where you're a food delivery guy riding a bike and you gotta deliver food to like pedestrians and and you know, apartments and stuff. It looks fantastic, crazy taxi style. It's going to be a great time.
1: Grilled pineapple is pretty delicious. That's true. Yep. Here's a
2: question for you predicting the future Alex which will have better segway gameplay uh, the new like a dragon or final
1: like fantasy VII rebirth Like a dragon Wow, wow. Like a dragon wow. no Hot doubt take. You know, c-
0: Cloud segway awful you know <gasps> that thing can go 2 miles per hour you're type of the segway in like a dragon you're, you're speeding down this you're breaking speed laws normally designed for cars no they're going to the police are going to book you to be like sir that that bipedal vehicle is breaking the speed limit. We're gonna have to arrest you, and then I'm just gonna beat and also, him up. Also, where that's is your clothes? Yakuza.
1: Yeah, <laughs> this is not a nudist beach. Exactly,
2: this is not a nudist beach. Wow, you're gonna have. I hope you're like getting sleep now, because if that comes out in January and Rebirth comes out in February, like, whew, you got some meaty. Some and what's games. more,
0: what's more awful? We got P five or P three reload coming out at the beginning of uh, February, right after Yakuza comes out. We have Grand Blue Fantasy, the RPG, also coming out beginning of February. It's it's a time to be alive for RPG lovers. It is true. You know?
1: It's true. I don't want to go first for my number one.
0: Okay. All right. I'll go. Matt, I'll, I'll go I, first. All right. Number one are. Number one game of 2023. Here it is, folks. My number one game. Um,
2: This was something that was different for me because, like, we've done this for three years now. You know, my last two game of the years, Deathloop from two years ago, Elden Ring from last year. Um, Both of those, as soon as I played them, I knew that these were going to be my game of the year. Like, it, it didn't matter. Like, I just had to figure out two through six. And... This year, for the longest time, or for you know, a couple months, um, Mario Brothers Wonder has been my game of the year. And while I did give it a 10 out of 10 in my own like review scale, I was like, is that really going to be my game of the year? It just didn't feel the same. And then I played a game called Alan Wake 2. And let me tell you, wow. this game stole everything from super mario brothers wonder um i actually played alan wake remastered for the first time in 2023 so i had i had played it a long time ago never finished it so i actually played it um from start to finish got the platinum and everything and then had that going into alan wake 2 and this game is the best game of this year for me easily by far by far, this ten out of ten is by far over *Mario Brothers Wonder*. Not to take anything away from Wonder, mm-hmm. but I feel like the gap is there, and um, I'm so happy that I played it and that I fit it in. I actually got the platinum over this past weekend, and so um, wow, I actually
1: wow, congrats! Yeah,
2: did it right over the holiday. So um, this game is a narrative masterpiece. I think *Remedy* is just like in their own league about their own meta and about their own games and tying them in together and making it something where you're actually talking. Like you have to hear other people's commentary to really think if you interpreted it the same way that other people did. Um, This is another dual protagonist. um, And I think both of them were captivating in their own way. I think like this game, while, This is more of a horror game, horror survival game, which is definitely not something that I'm usually into. I'm not really into creepy things all too often. Um, It was amazing. Um, I I just had a really great time, was scared out of my mind for a majority of the time, but I think that they make it to where, yes, you're scared out of your mind, but then you're going to have like a musical number that's just a whole chapter. It's just a musical number. It's very like similar in style to was it the game uh, Astray maze yeah, yeah the it's game that awards exact awards? same number from the game awards and it is just comes out of nowhere it honestly is amazing um i just enjoyed this game to pieces um i think that for me some of the things that they did as far as like accessibility like it it, it definitely has like twin peaks vibes throughout it all um, i this year I did a lot of hiking, a lot of backpacking, you know, so touched some grass, <laughs> touched some trees, was out in the middle of the woods, um, spent, you know, a few nights out in the woods camping uh, with a buddy of mine and being able to see kind of like how creepy it is, like being on the Appalachian Trail at night when the only person that you know is the buddy, your hiking buddy that's like setting up his tent and like not another soul is on the trail. And taking a flashlight and just lighting up the trail, lighting up the trees, hearing things in the distance and like lighting up just trees and not seeing anything, but like your mind is playing tricks and you're like everything. It, It feels like you're being surrounded by people that don't exist. And seeing that in a game that just nails that setting, like the light that is shined through the trees in the game looks like the light that I shine in the trees, like in real life. Like it is... They just nail the setting. They nail everything about this game. Um, Alan Wake is a writer. And so his big thing is trying to rewrite his story and to progress his story by rewriting his own story. Like, that's basically like the inception moment, right? Oh. And so he's literally in a setting and he just presses the pause button, basically, goes into his own mind palace. And basically says, I'm going to change the story. And you're literally clicking how to change the setting. And based upon which setting that you're doing, it changes the atmosphere instantaneously. And maybe you're able to get through a door or get through this like subway station. So like there is so much depth to this. It's very similar to kind of what the medium tried to do years ago of kind of working through kind of puzzles in a way that is narrative focused. And it just nails it. Like it absolutely nails it. Um so very fun collectibles, very fun platinum. Um I just enjoyed it. I can't wait for DLC. They are highly teasing TLC TLC, uh DLC and a third game. So I'm excited to see what happens next.
0: Matt was Alan Wake. He was in he was living the existence. I was living it so good. And he was writing his own story. All right, my number one game, you know, I mentioned this earlier in the year, and has held the spot, and that is Octopath Traveler two. Okay, there we go. You know, and the I I don't want to boil it down too much because I've already talked about a lot about it, but it really comes down to does the game have memorable moments? Right, as Matt mentioned, right, there's a lot of you know, kind of that musical number coming out of nowhere, or just the kind of like mind bending like puzzle solving way kind of like engrosses you into that game for him and like for me it's the way they portray you know in this case it is a travelers right you are following their eight distinct stories it's very similar to the first game in that regard but they do a much better job in kind of incorporating those characters into each other's stories so you don't just get kind of the oh yeah you follow each character but none of the other characters ever show up in the other people's stories it's just kind of like it whoever's there is just in your party for gameplay sake, not necessarily for narrative sake. And in this case, they remedy that, you know, it's not a hundred percent fixed, but there's a lot more character interaction. They even have shared character story chapters now. So like specifically two of your party members will have a journey together. And so there is explicit kind of uh, camaraderie and interaction in those cases. Um, But by the end of it, you know, they do tie up the story where, every character is linked in a very explicit way and it ultimately comes down to the true final boss and i mentioned it before you know that i 100 i got the platinum trophy on this game i 100 percent it for basically and the final boss you know that you have to do the true final boss it took me 10 hours to beat
1: yeah and wow. it's Oof. been a long time
0: wow. Since I've had a game where I've had that much of a challenge on one kind of, you know, trial in the game, not necessarily the game as a whole, but just one aspect. And for me, it was just hours and hours of, you know, trying different team compositions, right? Jobs, you know, this is a job based game and you can equip any pair of jobs onto each character. And so it was just the trial and error of trying different things, having different skills equipped, having different equipment equipped on every character. And finally getting that kill, you know, flat screen flash pause of the final boss after so many hours of attempts was just such a satisfying moment. And because of that, you know, it's it has stuck with me throughout the year. I haven't had another moment like it. You know, a lot of games, right, we do it, Because it's an enjoyable pastime, but also at the same time for me, right, I do it because I love sometimes, right, that level of resistance, right? Like, these are challenges to be overcome, and in that case, having such a grandiose challenge of a game that I loved, right? Like, this was the last thing I needed to do to finish it, and because I loved the rest of the game so much, I felt committed to even attempt it right because so many other times if i were to hit that wall i would just drop it right be like it's not worth it you know i love the game you know i don't want this to be that mad situation where i'm grinding extra playthroughs of hogwarts legacy just to get the platinum and it makes me end up having a lesser uh opinion of the game because of it and in this case it did not right like this was a challenge overcome right this is the true final boss it is a world endangering threat as they set it up in the story so it makes sense how difficult it is and it lives up to it right like the music is blasting every time you switch stage of the stages of the boss it kind of right transitions the music to kind of emphasize the mood and everything it's that level of triumph where i'm like okay i'm done but I wish I wasn't type of thing, right? Like it's that thing where this was the final challenge. I've done everything. You know, there's no DLC for this game. I hope there's a third one, right? Like the directors I've read interviews talk about to be like, maybe there is or isn't, but they've only even made Octopath Traveler 2 because they thought they had things to improve on the first one. Mm. And a lot of the development staff said they put a lot into this. So I don't know if they have the energy to create a three, but I hope they do because they did such a good job improving over the first to the second that I feel like there is that natural step to make an even better third. And, you know, I'd be happy to do another 10-hour grindy boss fight. Sure, you know, I'll get my ass beat if that's what it takes. Because I love this game. I love, especially, I just want to shout out, every character has their own motif of storytelling. And in particular, the cleric, who you would think, right, like the cleric job is, you know, they're typically like a priest. They're very holy. And in this case, they portray the cleric as this kind of like dark, repressed, like basically moody Sherlock Holmes well I guess Sherlock Holmes is moody but even more a more moody Sherlock Holmes edgier Sherlock Holmes so it's a very like clue oriented like it's the cleric figuring out you know we have these mysteries I've figured out these clues what exactly is going on here and it was such an engrossing tale and it's such a nice way to flip the story on its head where it's like oh you think it's going to be some sort of like religious related you know art that holier than god type of story but it's the exact opposite right like you go into these dark stories as the cleric similar thing with like the apothecary class like that character storyline is very dark and brooding when you think oh apothecaries what are they they're traveling healers right like they want to help the cure the ill and they just completely have these stories that clash with what you think is a trope And just all these stories combined, culminating in that final battle was just a joy to experience. So, shout out to you, Octopath Traveler 2. I hope there's a third one. Uh, And maybe even a fourth. You know, hopefully Square sees the potential in this series. And this just becomes like Final Fantasy. And we get Octopath Traveler 16. You know, I'm I'm here for it. Every single time. Game of the year 2040.
1: Exactly. Wow. (laughs) I... I still haven't finished Octopath Traveler 1. I don't think I'm going to go back to that game. But hearing you really endorse this one, wow.
0: Yeah, just just skip it to two. You don't need to finish one. Just play two. I guess,
1: two. yeah. That could be a thing. When, when you mentioned <laughs> that you hope that there's an Octopath Traveler 16, I was like, Holy crap. I mean, they are going to be make- using that technology, the HD 2D, in a lot of other games. So that's pretty cool. I do like that that kind of has spawned off of that. Um, so my game of the year, I'm pretty sure you guys know what my game of the year is. Uh, we've already talked about it. It's Final Fantasy sixteen. Nice. I I love that game. I love the story. I like the characters. The story among siblings really hit close to home. Um, the the playing over the decades was really cool, honestly. Like playing a young Clive into an older Clive helped like give a little bit more impact with the the relationship building, even though it ha- it happened off screen, you know, really understanding the journey that they've went through, seeing the communities that they've developed and built. I really, I really, really, really enjoyed the gameplay. I didn't think I'd like the fight, the fighting style, I guess, but I really kind of jived with it. Like, I had a good time. Mm -hmm. I used, you know, a couple of the helping rings because I wanted my combos to just, like, kind of trigger when I, you know, they showed up. I, I kind of liked that accessibility option with it. Um, And it didn't make me feel like I wasn't getting the most out of the game or anything. So I just, I had a great time. We've already like kind of talked about it a lot. I really liked it. And I probably will check out the DLC when Alex buys it.
2: <laughs> no pressure,
0: Alex. Yeah. Just her the enjoyment. of having the shale library, you know. Are you going to get to Dredge? Uh, you have access to that yeah, too.
1: Yeah, so I'll think about it. It's My recommendations
0: spooky. mean nothing, and- Matt.
1: You know, I the moment you recommended Tinykin to me, I I played it and I and I platinumed it before Alex. So that's, that's a good that point. is true. I, that's a good point. She,
0: she was the first to take the dive into Tinykin, yeah. but she won't dip a toe into Dredge.
1: I don't like spooky things, so we'll see. We'll see. We'll see.
0: Accessibility. I turned it on. You know, you could just you'll see the spooky things, but they won't chase you. I don't know if Alan Wake 2 has anything like
2: that. I don't know if Alan Wake 2 is for you.
1: It's not going to be There for you. was a
2: lot of audible gasps and screams on my behalf. Like It is a scary game.
1: I am not playing. I'm absolutely not playing yeah. that
2: game. But Dredge, I will say, not to bring this back to Dredge, my number <laughs> six of the year. Not to Dredge it <laughs> up. Yeah. But um, it is one of those games where it's scary at first, but once you start- being in that world, and you start like beefing up your boat, and you don't have to always go outside at night, but like you can like beef it up just from like finding stuff in the day. Once you beef it up, like it's one of those things where it's like they can try to bite me if they want, they'll lose. Like, my boat is awesome, so like you can okay. get to that point, and yeah, accessibility is out there.
1: I mean, I do love fishing.
2: It's. I know. I'm telling you. How many times do I tell you this is this is a Tiffany game? This that's could be it. true.
1: I really should listen to you. Next thing you know, though, it's but like she it has be- to get to Spider Man. It turns into my personality. Like you're yeah. like Tiffany. This is a great game for you. And I'm like, damn, you were right. You were <laughs>
0: right. <laughs> it was. It was right there all along. Yeah. Yeah. It started with Snap. Next is Dredge. You know, who knows if she'll ever get to Spider Man 2. Oh, she has to. It's gonna be good.
1: That's gonna be a hundred percent before Dredge. I'm yeah. gonna I'm gonna be honest. Okay.
0: I'm fine with that. I'm also fine with that. Okay. I mean, it was higher on our list. True. Yeah. So. Yeah. All right, with that, there those are our top six games of twenty twenty three. Let us know down in the comments below if you know if any of these games made your list. Or maybe you come back to this later, you take a listen and you've uh, played one of these games that we enjoyed and you enjoyed it too or you hated it you know you let us know that as well you know these are our recommendations what we've got to you know we try to get through as many games as we had time for this year I know for all of us we played I guess I would say significantly less games than we normally would you know just due to life circumstances and such and so forth so with that shout out to Grandmaster Doug for the tunes and until next time take care
1: Yeah, this is not a nudist beach.